Welcome to the News Roundup on WCAI. I'm Catherine Iden, filling in for Steve Junker. This is our weekly News Roundup, where we discuss some of the top local news stories of the week with my colleagues from the print and digital media. Joining me here in studio this morning, Jeff Spillane from the Cape Cod Times. Good morning. Good morning, Catherine. Thanks for coming in today. You're welcome. This hour, we will also hear from Brittany Bowker from the Martha's Vineyard Times, Josh Balling of the Nantucket Inquirer and Mirror, Bill Evel of the Vineyard Gazette, Casey Myers from the Provincetown Banner, and we'll check in with Tim Wood of the Cape Cod Chronicle and our own WCAI climate environment reporter, Eve Zukoff. Jeff, let's take a look at some of the top stories this week. I mm-hmm. want to start with one, um, a, a well-known horse farm in Falmouth where there are allegations of animal cruelty and an investigation ongoing. Yeah, Catherine, this is a disturbing story, as you mentioned, out of Falmouth. It's Smithfield Farm, which is a farm on Sandwich Road in East Falmouth. It's under investigation by the Massachusetts Society for Prevention to Cruelty of Animals um, after they received several complaints about emaciated animals at the farm. Uh, the farm is where horses are boarded, they offer lessons, and they also sell horses. And the animal cruelty investigation was opened on Tuesday when the MSPCA did come down here to visit. Uh, The investigation will include an interview with the owner as well as some of the folks who filed the complaints. And we'll know very soon whether or not they're going to determine whether or not sufficient evidence is there to bring animal cruelty charges. Uh, But just for a little bit of background as to what happened here, uh, there have been several complaints. Recently, there's been many Facebook posts with photos of these emaciated animals and – one of the uh, persons who filed a complaint said for about a year there have been some issues there. And this isn't pretty, but she had said last month people were seeing horses lying dead, goats lying dead, paddocks were leaking, horses were sitting in the, uh, standing in the mud with no food or water. So you can imagine how horrible that was. Uh, another person who filed a complaint says there were holes in the roof, frequent flooding in the barns, infested with rats, and every inch was covered by mold and rot. Mm. And just last month, the horses were involved, and the, the owner is involved with a therapeutic program. And there was a disabled man who was riding uh, one of the horses at an event in Yarmouth. And this particular person said there was a big saddle, which kind of appeared weird, but it apparently was on there to cover um, the horse and his appearance, underweight and emaciated. And the horse went down with the man on him. So, not good. Not good at all. And according to a spokesman from the MSPCA, um, it didn't appear as if there were any of the horses were taken away from the property on Tuesday. We'll learn more about that in the coming days. And it just happens there's no boarding facilities available here in the cave. They would have to be go to go up to Methuen, which is almost on the New Hampshire border. Right. And I think what was interesting, uh, too, about this is the MSPCA does do these animal cruelty mm, investigations, they but they don't do a ton of them. They really, I think, have to pick what seem to be, I- I'm guessing, the most egregious it's, because they get, you know, 1,500 or so complaints every year, but they can only do... 25. Yeah. 25. So they really have to be, as you as you said, really egregious. And um, this was one of them. This and was so- one of them. And uh, the owner is a woman named... Um, I believe Ms. Janice Foster, mm-hmm. if found guilty, it's a felony in Massachusetts. You can spend up to seven years in prison and a fine up to $5,000. Right. So we'll be following that yeah, story. Yeah, we will. I want to go to a story out of Sandwich. And actually, this is kind of an, a story that's evolving. And that's be, uh, due to oysters being so- stolen. And this has happened in other towns recently as well. It has. And, you know, if there's ever a Cape Cod mystery, this is one of them. Yeah. Um, about 4,000 oysters 
not fully grown, immature oysters, they call them, were stolen from Mill Creek, which is near the Sandwich Board Rock. And this happened two weeks ago, I believe two weeks ago today. And the town has been cultivating the shellfish, as many towns have, um, not only to help, to help clean the waters, but is also to have a, a stock for, for licensed shellfishermen we to harvest. Call, we call it a put and take. They put them there, but then you can take them that's, if you have a license, that's right? right. Yeah. That's, that's right. <laughs> and they do take about two to three years to mature as they cultivate them. And actually, Sandwich, as part of its agriculture program, has about 100,000 oyster seeds per year. But what's odd about this, Catherine, is none of the oysters that were uh, stolen are of legal size, so you couldn't sell them. And one of the quotes from the uh, the director of natural resources in town, which I thought was was interesting, said, "If somebody thought they were going to have a picnic, well, there's not enough meat in the shells. Yeah, so these are too little. Why why do you have them? I'm, you know, or, or somebody just probably didn't know. And they're not edible either because they're possibly contaminated. They are. Right? They were taken from water that is considered unsafe for harvesting because of high levels of fecal coliform uh, bacteria. So that that just adds to the mystery. They're too small. They're in a place where you really want to get oysters for consumption. Right. Um, so the Mass Environmental Police Police are investigating this case, uh, and as a result of this theft, there may not be a harvest this year for recreational shellfish people with licenses and sandwich. And um, now that because of the theft, there are cameras and lights to monitor uh, oh, where wow. they are on the creek. Wow! So, and th- the um, town of Sandwich has been working for a long time to get this shellfish bed installed, as you said, for have. both the water cleaning properties, but also mm-hmm. to have this area for local shellfishermen to get exactly get these locally mm-hmm. grown um, shellfish. And so this really is a, a blow to that project. It, it is. And, you know, I live in Mashpee, and I've been doing it for several years, and it's a big event. I mean, people look forward to it. Yeah, so it's it is. It's a lot of fun. And there have been, um, there's been other reports of other towns having similar problems mm-hmm. um, as far out as on the Outer Cape and Wellfleet, mm-hmm. Barnstable, in Mashpee, exactly. there's been problem with there thefts as well. And these oysters are, they're not in the sand yet. They're in these floating cages. So they're, mm-hmm. the I cages. guess in a sense, they are ex- accessible if you are of mm-hmm. a mind to break the law. Right, right. Um, but, you know, it will be interesting. I thought it was interesting too. um Heard reports that in Sandwich, the Natural Resources Department was saying, listen, if you bring these oysters back, we'll say no questions asked. Exactly. Get them out of potentially the market where they could hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could if you eat a contaminated uh, shellfish, you could get very ill. You could right. even die. Right. And there was a case uh, very similar to that in Falmouth, I believe, last year mm-hmm. where some were sold. Right. And, um, and we, yeah, we've had reports of this around mm-hmm. the Cape over we the do. last we few do. years. But no, no leads. Nobody's come forward. No leads, no leads forward. as of right now. But so. we're, we're going to continue to follow up on that. All right. That's oysters being stolen in sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I want to uh, turn now. We are right on the cusp of this back-to-school season. And school bus drivers had a little lesson of their own the other day, and that's about vaping and how to identify it with teens and then kids of all ages, actually, and what to do about it. That's right. I've been covering this for quite a bit lately. I also cover uh, the town of Barnstable, which has become a big issue there. Um, But the use of uh, vaping products, which includes a lot of... Flavored products. Jewel is the most popular yeah. uh, vaping device. It's like the brand name. It's been declared an epidemic among the among youth, uh, becoming a major problem here in the United States and, and elsewhere, I would imagine. So the Barnesville County Department of Human Services has said, and these are some staggering statistics, from 2017 to 2018, just one year, they've seen an increase in youth vaping, 50% in middle school ages. Now, I guess that's what well, could be 12 
I know. And, I'm uh, thinking, how young is a yeah. middle schooler by these standards? 11, right. 12, really young. And an 80% increase in high school students, which to me was just, oh, my, my gosh, wow. Um, so the Department of Health of Human Services of the county on Wednesday had a program for about 250 bus drivers, which I thought was, was very interesting because they actually are on the front lines of seeing what these, yeah, these children are doing. they really are. And just to educate them a little bit about the youth vaping problem, what are some of the trends and how to spot them. So if you're, you're driving the bus and you have a bus full of, of, of kids on the way to school and you think something's happening, you can alert the school officials. Um, and the county is actually, as the beginning of the school year, which as mentioned starts next week in most places, yeah. they're kicking off a new campaign called Escape the Vape, where this county department has developed a toolkit for after the schools reached out and said, hey, how can you help us with this? So the uh, executive director of this uh, organization did present to the bus drivers uh, and the Cape Cod Collaborative, which uh, has a, uh, responsible for a lot of student transportation, said, we want to make sure that our drivers are informed about this and what they need to look for. And some of this really is... Um, is incredible, Catherine. Well, it's not at, and that's the thing too. It's not at all like cigarettes, where it's really, yeah, yeah the smell. It's very obvious. It's a specific type of, you know, the visual it, is there. I mean, you, the there's two two things going on mm-hmm. here, which is what I gleaned from from your the article in the Times, and that is, they're e- the uh, vape pens are easy to kind of disguise, mm-hmm. and then the side effects. We're learning more and more about what the side effects are. Tell us more yeah. about what the vape pens can look like and how they can be hard to sure. spot. Well, first of all, they they told the bus drivers, "Hey, look for puffs of vapor if you can, and look at the tapes, and then you can alert staff." Mm-hmm. But some of the accessories in the vape pens, they they look like uh, USB devices. Some maybe like a small tape recorder. But what I found very interesting here is that there are some clothing and backpacks that are designed. For to vaping. hide this, yeah. yeah. One of them is a hoodie that so they look like a normal hoodie, but the strings use for tubes to to smoke. Um, I haven't seen one, but I'll look now. Yeah, and it will make you look twice, you know, at kids who maybe chew on their their clothes a little bit, as kids sometimes do. It's going to make you take a second look. That's right. And they also say, keep, keep uh, you know, if you smell something sweet, that's a sign as well. The flavored... Um, Tobacco products are the ones that are really popular among that age group. Watermelon, mango. There are actually thousands of flavors. And the town of Barnesville actually on July 29th uh, has new regulations where flavored tobacco products cannot be sold in any store that allows 21 years old or under to come in. It's been been quite a big story there in Barnstable. Um, And in each Jewel flavor pod... Um, which is a little thing you put in your little vaping device, has the same amount of nicotine as in a full pack of cigarettes. And wow. some of these kids, Catherine, are going through them in a half hour. And that's causing problems, right? It's, it's health a problems. Major, problem, major health problems. A lot of them, you know, because this is so new, we won't know the full extent of this for several years. But they're telling parents to also keep an eye out. Um, some of the things you may notice if your child is using these vaping devices is nosebleeds. They may want less caffeine. I don't know what... If kids that age drink coffee, I yeah. guess it's in soda and, yeah. and Red Bull and all that, um, because they already feel as if they're energized enough and have a fast heartbeat. And also, they tend to add more seasoning to foods because this uh, vaping on a regular basis tends to stunt your your sense of taste. And I wonder so, if that's permanent. No, I, do we know? Don't know. We don't know yet. Don't know. Um, and there's more thing? serious problems that can happen too. Lung problems they're finding Popcorn now. Lung yeah. is something that happens. Yeah. So definitely uh, an important kind of 
lesson for for bus drivers, as you said, who are on the front lines to maybe spot some of this behavior and then help have help parents and teachers and students understand yeah, maybe the risks of what they're doing. This is a real emerging uh, health issue here. I want to turn now to a kind of a transportation story. And that's out of Bourne. And Bourne joined the MBTA a few years ago. And that's because there's this hope that the commuter rail will come to the Cape. But we're not exactly uh, any closer to seeing that as a reality. And there's a lot of money in cost to being a member of the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority. Yeah, you think of members of the MBTA, you you think of Metro West, Quincy, you know, places closer to the city. But in 2014... In, in hopes that commuter rail would come to the tracks, which are already in place, coming mm-hmm. to Buzzards Bay, the Cape, the Cape Flyer operates on them, um, would would uh, somehow revitalize computer, commuter rail coming to Bourne and really providing a big boost to the village of, of uh, Buzzards Bay and maybe um, generate some transit-oriented development, which is, is very popular these days. You see these mixed-use communities um, springing up around transit stations. Mm-hmm. And uh, they took the chance. They joined back in t- 2014. And but as you had mentioned, it really hasn't moved forward yet. But there, there's still hope. Yeah. Um, four years later, there's still no service. But the town officials say, "Hey, you know what? Joining that was the right thing to do. Gives us a seat at the table as plans are being developed." And um, with the advent of the new South Coast Rail project, there is a chance that something could happen there with a link. Um, in 2014, when this was signed, it was right before. A lot of MBTA problems started emerging. That winter of 2015, which, remember, it never stopped snowing. Yes. That was a problem. And up until right now, with all the derailments, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the hope is that this service can be restored, possibly as part of the South Coast Rail Project, with a connector train, which would go from Buzzards Bay to Middleborough, where, which seems to be the hub that's developing for South Coast Rail, which would allow commuters then to transfer their train to South Station. Right. So it is that piece, at least, is a little more of a possibility. And then um, in the meantime, Bourne officials did say to the paper that they're happy that they're part of the group. They're paying uh, $40,000 a, a year for this, but that they say it's worth every penny because they want to be able to advocate to get that train And, and they say, you know, we didn't expect it to happen overnight, so it's going to take a while. So it's a long-term planning. It's well worth the investment. That's right. And that is Jeff Spillane of the Cape Cod Times. Jeff, thank you so much for talking about some of the top news stories of the week. We need to take a break. Stay with us. We have more top stories from around the region to come.